When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Hello, welcome back to 1170 SEN. Daniel Garb filling in on the afternoon show for Jimmy Smith with thanks to SBS Fence and Toilet Hire. Uh, great to have your company. Wherever you're listening around the state or on SEN uh, Queensland as well. We've got a big cricket chat coming up with the great Barrett Sundarassan from SEN Cricket and Crick Buzz to review the first test, Australia's triumph over Pakistan. Nathan Lyons, 500 wickets. And where to now for the Australian team for Boxing Day in the Sydney test? The Cam Green saga, can they fit him in anywhere? Does he have to bide his time? Who's likely to take over from David Warner in the opening spot? Despite Australia's dominance in Perth, still so many big talking points. And we're also discussing the most underappreciated Australian sports people of all time in the wake of Nathan Lyon's 500 wickets. The legends, sorry, the stats stack up to prove that he's a legend, but does he get the kudos that he deserves? I don't believe he does. I think people often view him in a dimmer light than perhaps some of those in the top 10 of all-time test wicket takers. Mike from Callumbale in Queensland has called through. I'm not sure if he wants to speak about that subject or another one. Mike, good afternoon to you. Yeah, hi, uh... I want to talk about uh, Jerome Luai, just firstly from an unusual perspective and then in terms of West Tigers going forward. Uh, I'm just wondering if Rugby Union missed a trick with um, Luai. I mean, he's obviously going to go somewhere. And yeah. um, I just think at fly half, gee, with his footwork, he'd only have to step the opposing fly half once or twice and, um, you know, here we go. Um, 1.2 million, he might have been a lot cheaper than Suwali, who's maybe going to get frostbite out on the wing. Um, so not not quite sure um, how much value you'll get for 1.8 million. Um, and just in terms of, um, I don't know whether you watched uh, Michael Maguire's West um, documentary or not, but Wow, Blue Eye's got a lot to do if he's going to get those guys to speak. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but Michael Maguire did most of the talking and um, see those, the rest of those guys, they were sitting there like stale bottles. Mm. Um, but anyway, um, so yeah, just, just thought I'd make a couple of different perspective points. So. Love it, Mike. Some good points. And perhaps they just need a leader from a successful program, triple premiership program from Penrith to come in there and just give them a little bit of personality in the dressing room. Um, even if Jerome Luai um, can't necessarily be the, the circuit breaker on his own, someone to, to get the ball rolling in the right direction for Wes, um, you know, he'll certainly be able to do that with his pedigree. Just on the, the question that you asked about rugby union and whether they should have missed, whether they missed a beat with Jerome Luai, what's your take on? 
the method on the whole as we get to Barat Sundarasan in a moment. Uh, in fact, Mike's just jumped off the line. I'm just keen to know, jump on the text line if you can, 0457 736 736 or the open line 1300 01 1170. What do you make of the, the tactics from Rugby Union to go after Rugby League's best? I mean, putting all that money into that rather than grassroots programs, I understand it's a double-edged sword in terms of an argument because if you don't get the prestige of the Wallabies back up, well, then it doesn't matter how plentiful your grassroots programs are. Kids aren't going to want to play rugby union. So you've got to lift the Wallaby stature before you get the grassroots programs going uh, in full flight. Um, or is it a waste of money? Should you be putting that money into grassroots and building the Wallabies up from the ground again and, and taking the, uh, the long and maybe painful approach? It's an interesting talking point. Join us on that. But there is plenty to talk about in Australian cricket at the moment. Barrett Sundarasan is one of the best in the game. Uh, to do that. He joins us from the West after Australia's demolition of Pakistan yesterday. Barak, good afternoon to you, mate. Good morning where you are. Oh, good afternoon, Gabi. It's been a while. I think the last time we saw each other, uh, England was sneaking over the line against New Zealand in that 2019 World Cup <laughs> final. Over there. It's been a while, but oh yeah, so much has happened in the world in cricket, but uh, some things don't change. First test of a series in Australia. Australia triumphant and the visiting team already looks like they're on their way back home. Yeah. I remember that moment vividly. How could you not? 2019 World Cup final, of course, one of the great moments in the history of sport for mine. That day was just epic, of course. Um, Yeah, the first test wasn't quite to that level. Uh, It started off Mm. nicely. Pakistan was solid. Uh, They looked to be really clean with the bat and, and well poised and then, unfortunately, as it does for so many touring teams, it fell apart as the test wore on. What do you make of Australia's ruthlessness on the whole and their ability to just tear Pakistan apart yesterday? And how fearful are you for the rest of the series as a result? Uh, yeah, I know. Firstly, I agree with you. Uh, it looked really concerning after the first session of the test match where Australia were flying. I think they had 114 on the board and David Warner had uh, already gone past 50. Uh, but I thought Pakistan pulled things back well from that point on. And on a pitch where now, in, in hindsight, you have to look at David Warner's innings as having been one of the more extraordinary ones we've seen in recent times on home soil. Uh, but then, yeah, with the bat, they just, you know, they spoke the big game. Uh, uh, Gabi, they spoke about the Pakistan way, which would sort of be like uh, uh, similar to baseball, where they're going to be aggressive. But nobody except their captain, Shan Masood, seemed to be on board with that. <laughs> and they just got stuck, didn't they? They batted for over 100 overs, credit to them. But they, they were so far behind in the game from that point on. Whatever they did with the ball after that, as impressive as they were, uh, was never going to be good enough. The horse had already bolted. Um, and then, yeah, the ruthlessness of this Australian team without looking ruthless, right? Mm. Without, I mean, when you compare this to the ruthlessness of the, the bygone eras of Australian cricket, uh, the, the ruthlessness was on the edge, right? Mm. In your face. Uh, and I don't mean with the aggression, but just the way they carried themselves and the way they were. Uh, this team, just these four bowlers especially, they just go about their business like, uh, you know, it's just another day uh, on on the job site, and they get things done. Uh, but this, you know, I know we'll speak a lot about Nathan Lyon, but that spell from Pat Cummins to Barbarazam, oh. wow! I just want to watch it on repeat uh, many, <laughs> many times. It, it, it was just uh, the best working over I've ever seen of a world class batter. It was awesome, wasn't it? I mean, watching him at certain moments in this Test match, he was hooping it both ways. If he wanted to bowl a 
a deadly inswinger. He did that. He'd send it the other way, the next ball, and then he'd move it off the seam as well. I mean, Pat Cummins at his best is just gripping. And we know that Nathan Lyon is as well. So I mentioned it before, we're, we're a little bit fearful of where the series might go. And then, of course, with the Windies to follow. But I guess from a media point of view, broadcaster point of view, there are a, a few big moments to to hang your hat on. Boxing Day holds its own, as we know. And then the Sydney Test will be all about David Warner and his impending retirement from Test cricket. And this Test match, I guess, as it started to peter out yesterday, had the Nathan Lyon 500th wicket looming. And, and that kept people gripped as Australia were running all over Pakistan. You were there for it. Talk us through the moments and, and Nathan Lyon on the whole. Uh, what a great Australian story uh, he is. Gabi, I said this on uh, on commentary yesterday as well. Uh, to come from where he has his his unique journey, right? Uh, mm. He dreamt of playing uh, Test cricket for for Australia, but then uh, took a slight uh, uh, side hustle uh, and you know became a curator in, at, at the Adelaide Oval. We all know that story, uh, but to then just stay the same reticent superstar that he always has been. Uh, and the fact that with every performance, he's just gone better and better. And there are so many things uh, that Nathan Lyon has achieved. I mean, the 100 tests that he played straight, the only bowler to do that, unfortunately, just before he got injured uh, at Lords. Uh, and the fact that he's just, he's been the cog uh, that the rest of these uh, Australian fast bowlers have kind of revolved around. He's been the foundation stone of this uh, legendary bowling attack. Uh, this, despite like never getting the full plaudits for it, I think. Uh, it just tells you that, um, you know, that the fairy tale is not complete yet, but it was just another big milestone in that fairy tale as he got to 500 wickets. And then, as we interviewed him on radio after that, he couldn't, he didn't want to talk about himself. All he wanted to talk about was Usman Khawaja and Mitchell Marsh and their batting and David Warner's batting. We had to like kind of like drag him into talking about <laughs> himself. But that just tells you everything about Nathan Lyon uh, and why I agree with you. I mean, he's one of the most underappreciated uh, sports, uh, sporting superstars that Australia has produced. Yeah. Uh, even now, as you said, when you see think great bowlers, people will say McGrath, Warren, Dennis Lilly, um, Mitchell Johnson, uh, and everybody else, the Ray Lindwall. But uh, Nathan Lyon, being a finger spinner, to come from Australia and to do what he's done, um, he is the greatest off spinner to have ever played for Australia, but right up there in the top two for me in the history of the game. Yeah, I mean, only Warren, Kumblay and Murali have made it to 500 test wickets along with Nathan Lyon. Why do you think he's underappreciated? I mean, maybe his personality is part of it. You touched on it there. The fact that he is a little bit understated, that can often play a part in perhaps fans overlooking certain individuals when it comes to that subject. I think the Warren factor is huge. The fact that the the fans of this era grew up watching Shane Warren and you have the ceiling so high because of what Warren was able to do. Anyone who follows is on a hiding to nothing, really. Um, But Nathan Lyon's numbers stack up with the very best, but we don't speak about him in the same regard as we do on McGrath and and the others that you mentioned. Uh, Is there any other reason that you can point to for that? I think one one of them is the way he describes his own bowling. I mean, just the Shane Warne comparison is fascinating, right? The way Shane Warne would every season come up with a new ball and <laughs> yes. uh, talk it up. And then we have the magic and the genius to deliver it on, on cue. Uh, but the fact that Nathan Lyon, every time you ask him about his bowling, he always talks about just bowling his best ball over and over again. Which is what led me to say that I don't think any bowler in the history of the game has bowled their best ball 
uh, over and over again more often than Nathan Lyon because that's what he always claims to have done. I think he undersells himself because of just the, the personality, the humble, the the, nat- the inherent humility he, he has in him. I guess that comes from him being this country town boy. I, I remember spending a few hours in Young, his hometown, a few years ago. And you, you kind of got an idea of why Nathan Lyon is the way, uh, way he is. Uh, and, and I guess it also, uh, after Shane Warne, for years, Australia just kept went looking for the next Shane Warne, not just in terms of yeah. th- uh, that person being an leg spinner, but you know, someone standing out with the genius of Shane Warne. And I think in the last five, six years in particular, Australia have realized now, you know, the search for Shane Warne is over because we found a Nathan Lyon who's, in my book, as special as Shane Warne, just very different. Yeah, there was Nathan Horitz and Bo Caston and Jason Crazier and so many spinners who were given an opportunity. And then... Uh, the GOAT, the greatest Australian off-spinner of all time, came in and uh, that search was able to end with uh, incredible results. Uh, let's move on and, and look at the team moving forward. The Cam Green situation for me is a fascinating one, Barrett. So they love him. Of course the selectors love him. Most Australian cricket fans do. We know he's a, a unicorn, if you like. He's a special individual. He's a The ceiling is so high, and he could be one of the great all-rounders. But he's out of the team at the moment because Mitch Marsh is going through this magnificent mm. renaissance in his career. How do they fit him in? How desperate are they to try and get him in sooner rather than later so that he's not wasting away on the sidelines? And how so if they are to, to push him back into the eleven? Well, Gabby, the only position I can see opening up for Cameron Green is right at the top, yeah. where David Warner, the one that David Warner will vacate uh, after Sydney. Uh, you know, there's been some talk of pushing Manas Labuschagne up to open and then bringing Cam Green in the middle order or in the top order. Uh, but, you know, the only way I can see that happening is if Cam Green bats three, because Steve Smith is not moving away from number four anytime soon. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and Manas has made his in, uh, uh, he, he, his intentions very clear that he doesn't want to open. And Mitchell Marsh has been asked this question the last three, four days. So where does that leave you with Cam Green? But at the top, and I think he has the technique, the temperament. And uh, even speaking to some former Australian cricketers, especially those who were, who eventually ended up opening the batting in test cricket, uh, they'll tell you that Cam Green just has looked Unnatural, unnatural at number six, mm. right? That's just not been his position. Throughout his Shield career for WA, he's batted number four. Uh, so um, I guess it, it, if Australia is desperate to bring him in, they are. I think it just makes sense to maybe push him up the order uh, and, and let him bat in more natural climbs. I know opening the batting is on number four, but it's closer to number four than number six is, right? In terms yeah. of the role that you're supposed to play. Um, I think that's the only position I can uh, see uh, them fitting him into with Mitchell Marsh having made number six his own and three, four, five. Uh, I mean, and the, at the moment they are undroppable, aren't they? For sure. Although Martis is struggling a bit, isn't he? I mean, he doesn't look to be mm. his, his natural self at the moment. I know he's not going anywhere in the short term, but gee, he needs a score. Yeah, that average has dropped, hasn't it? Mm. Uh, I think I saw it on social media as first uh, first 20 tests or something was averaging 60. I think in the last 20, he's averaged uh, 30 and just one century in 250s. Yeah, it's, it's bizarre, Manus. Like, he's been getting so many starts. I mean, we saw it throughout the Ashes. I mean, when it mattered most, he didn't make that 100 to save the day in Manchester. But, I mean, the rain came in as well. But 
Um, like Steve Smith in Test cricket this year, 2023, it's been such a red letter year for Australian cricket as a whole. Mm. Uh, but he just hasn't been able to push on and get the big scores that we've become so accustomed to with Manus. Uh, I mean, having said that, he played such a big role in that World Cup final. So the confidence is there. And I'm still spending as many hours as always watching him in the net. <laughs> so that hasn't changed. Uh, maybe it's just a, a question of breaking free. And all batters and all great batters go through these phases, don't they? Uh, but it just with him, you're right. It just feels to have gone a bit too long than, than you would have expected, the way he had started off his test career. Uh, so maybe there is a big score coming up, uh, coming up soon. But uh, which also kind of tells you why he will not be keen to move away from number three anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe six months later, if he once again found that touch of scoring big scores again, maybe then he might get tempted, but not at the moment. I agree with you. I think Cam Green's opener is the uh, the natural move. But Cam Bancroft, if he keeps making runs, he is, as we know, um, a born and bred Ooh. opener. I mean, that's another dilemma for the selectors. Are we just shoehorning Cam Green in when Cam Bancroft is there, ready and waiting? The only question then, Gabi, is who complements Usman Khawaja better, mm. right? And, and I'm not saying Cameron Green... Uh, uh, does that, considering he's never opened the batting in first-class cricket? Yes, he's done that in T20 cricket. Uh, but And that is another question that the selectors will have been, like, you know, focusing on and uh, fussing over for the last few months. Uh, because we saw, and the classic example of the first innings of this test, on a difficult pitch, what David Warner was able to do, uh, allowed Usman Khawaja to just bat his normal way. And you just compare it to the second innings. When David Warner gets out early... That innings got stuck for a while, and then Usman Khawaja had to fight the way he does, and he's done so well in the last 18 months, to then get Australia's innings moving. Uh, and I think that's what uh, I'm not saying Cameron Bancroft hasn't earned his uh, recall if it is to come, but you see his strike rates in first class cricket. Uh, would you, is there a bit too like for like with him and Usman Khawaja at the top? Uh, and would that put a more pressure on the middle order? Because I mean, like they've been they've been spoiled in that sense, having David Warner at the top for so long, right? Mm. So I think that will also come into consideration when they are when they do finalize the replacement for Warner. Uh, who complements Usman Khawaja best? It's really interesting. I mean, Australia will dominate the summer, no doubt. Yet the the talk around the team is still done with so much fervor. It reminds me of the. The late 90s, mid-2000s, when Mark Taylor and then Mark Waugh fell out of form. It didn't matter who Australia played. They still won. But that didn't stop the debate around the team and, and who the replacement should be. Um, but we love it. It's uh, That's what the Australian cricket team in the test form uh, is all about. Barrett Sundarasan, thanks so much for your time. It's great to get your insights. You're a big part of the SEN cricket team. And uh, we've enjoyed chatting about it with you on Afternoons. Uh, thank you so much. And I, I can't wait to see you. Uh, it's high time. We need a reunion. 100%. Maybe at the Sydney Test match, mate. You're not hard to spot. I know that with all your colourful clothing. <laughs> so if I see you, I'll make a beeline for you. Cheers, mate. Can't wait. Thank you so much. Have a lovely day. Enjoy the holidays. See you, buddy. You too. Barrett Sundarasan there from SEN Cricket and Crick Buzz, one of the best in the business. That was a really good chat about uh, the Aussie cricket team moving forwards and uh, discussing Nathan Lyon as well. A fair few of your texts coming through on Nathan Lyon and underappreciated sporting stars in Australian history. Keep them coming through on 0457 736 736 or the open line 1300 01 1170. And any of your thoughts on the Australian team moving forward, make sure you raise them as well. 
the vacant opener's spot when David Warner eventually retires? Who is going to take it? Do you want to see Cam Green opening? Or doesn't that work for you? Would you like to see a, a true opener in Cam Bancroft taking that spot? If so, how does Cam Green get back into the team? He's a special talent. They want to find a way for him in the 11. Um, what do they do? Your thoughts on that? Keep them coming after the break. Plenty more to follow on Afternoons. Daniel Garb filling in for Jimmy Smith. Great to have your company.